Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Hello, and welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I'm your guest host, Lisa Finkel. That means it's time for another episode where we can get inside the brain of the mastermind behind the podcast and a real true champion for cats, Stacy LeBaron. Stacy, how does it feel to be a mastermind? <laughs> Thank you so much for that great compliment, Lisa. And as always, thank you so much for doing the Ask Stacy Show. I appreciate it very much that you're willing to kind of chat with me once a month. Well, I always, I pretty much always learn something when we do this. And so it's, um, it's just as wonderful for me as listening to one of your episodes. And, you know, speaking of that, I really have to offer my congratulations on reaching the hundredth episode of the Community Cats podcast. Um, I, I think it's a major milestone and represents such amazing work on your part, plus the willingness of people to uh, to take the time to share. I would love to know about some of the things you feel like you've learned as a result of the interviews you've done, or maybe something that surprised you or caused you to think differently. A hundred episodes. It's it's amazing. It's gone by uh, so quickly. You know, I felt like I was sort of at episode 50 for a long period of time, and then all of a sudden it became 100. So I want to thank all of the guests that were willing to be on the show. You know, They're taking their time out of their day to share what projects they're working on. And I continue to be really blown away by the incredible amount of energy and diversity in um, various folks' programs. I was blown away by the work of uh, Emma Clifford on uh, animal balance, her efforts all across the world, around the world, really trying to bring TNR into light in very sensitive areas dealing with, you know, birds and wildlife. The niche market, I I still feel like we were all sort of in the same boat, but now I feel like we're also very different, but yet we have a common cause. It's just great. I just am thrilled that people are willing to create a niche. Look at the kitten lady. Lisa, I know you're on her social media. She is such a social media queen. I mean, who cannot like neonatal kittens and, you know, with little <laughs> birthday hats and everything? Hannah Shaw was just wonderful to interview. I mean, all of the guests have been just incredibly supportive and have been wonderful to interview. But, you know, she definitely stands out as being a, a unique character and uh, who's just doing some amazing work in a very sort of niche place, but yet incredible education. I mean, she had a really nice video um, on how to put together a feeding station, uh, a shelter, winter shelter. Um, so, you know, she's encompassing the whole picture, but she's using those little, little, cute, little squirmy kittens to tell the story. So I guess I would say the lessons learned is really keep an open mind and listen to what people have to say. I think that Lisa, you know very well, and as I'm sitting here rambling on, you know, I like to talk. This show has <laughs> really taught me how to listen. And I hope it's, you know, really helped others in being able to listen to how people are approaching challenges in their communities and being able to be problem solvers. You know, it's so funny because I wrote down a couple of episodes that stood out to me and it's the exact two that you mentioned. OK, Emma <laughs> Clifford, this idea that we are not alone here in the U.S. Um, trying to manage feline overpopulation and that it's possible to do it in uh, other places with very different cultures. And then also 
you know, being introduced to the kitten lady, you know, please, it's given me something adorable to look at every single day when I when I look at her feed. But it, there's always something to learn, too, which is, you know, again, so it, it's just so great to have somebody who knows has sort of cornered the market on knowledge of something be able to make it available and teach it to other people who want to do the same thing. Yeah. In addition to those two shows, I have three other recommendations for those that are interested in going back in the archive. I interviewed Dr. Kate Hurley of the Million Cat Challenge. And the reason I pulled that show out as a a good show to listen to is you could feel her excitement, energy, and passion busting through the wires when you're talking Mm -hmm. with her. She is just all 250% energy and passion and wanting to make a difference and determined to make a difference. And that really, you know, gets me going when you just, you just feel that there's so much energy and she's just got this incredible belief that the Million Cat Challenge is going to be a game-changing success for cats all across the country. So I just, I was just thrilled to interview her and I just was amazed at her energy. It was just a pleasure, pleasure to talk with her. I thought Marlon Roberts was, I guess I would classify him as probably one of my cutest interviews. He's just a young, excited guy. He is happy to be on the streets, working with folks, helping them solve their problems with their cats, helping them in whatever way that he can with the you know resources that he has access to. The guy was just so happy to be interviewed. He took a selfie of our Skype photo and posted oh. it up on his own personal Facebook page because he was just so thrilled and tickled and honored to be able to be on the show. And, you know, an extremely humble young guy, and he's just out there making an incredible impact. And um, his episode is number 29, and he's in um, Kansas City, Missouri, Kate Hurley's episode was episode number 47. And then lastly, Dr. Christine Wilford's interview in, um, she's in the Seattle, Washington area, episode number 44. And the reason I chose her is more on a personal level, which is, I mean, she could be my preacher. Um, She just (laughs) knows the spay-neuter religion like nobody else. And she's been doing it since the early 90s. It's so clear and so simple when she talks about high volume, high quality spay neuter. I don't see how anyone could question that methodology um, when talking with her. You know, I felt like very much of a kindred spirit in the room. And but yet I feel like she just like I said, she's my religion. So yeah. it's it's what I believe and agree in wholeheartedly. So I just it felt really comfortable. That, those three episodes, yeah, I loved Marlon. What an enthusiastic, if we could harness that type of enthusiasm around our world of feline welfare, what amazing. And also because he was young, I mean, a lot of us um, who are involved in this have been involved for a long time. You've interviewed people who've been doing this for 25 and 30 years, and we need that next generation. Most definitely. We most definitely do. And there have been quite a few young, younger folks that I've been able to interview, which has been a real pleasure and definitely certainly gives me hope for the future. Not that I'm about to retire, but we're middle-aged, I guess we would say. Something is the new something, Stacey. <laughs> Something's the new something. But I just, I'm thrilled to interview folks in their 20s. 
Andy Cola down in uh, yeah. with Lumen LS. He's another young young gun coming up. So yeah, I might have to have to do something like the Magnificent Seven or something for all these the young generation uh, coming up to make their stand for community cats. Looking for a great tool to help educate your neighbors about community cats? Check out this sign available from the folks at Lumen LS, a life-saving organization from Broward County, Florida, that believes no cat should be left behind. This sturdy, bright orange sign featuring an ear-tipped cat would be great for cat colony caretakers, shelters and rescues, spay-neuter clinics, or municipalities and animal control organizations. Education about the correct ways to manage community cats is exploding in the U.S., especially in the last five years. This sign will help you let your community know that ear-tipped cats have been fixed and vaccinated and pose no threat to them. The community cat sign comes complete with all of the hardware you need to post it, Buying and posting the sign will help move animal welfare forward and improve outcomes for cats in your area. You can view and purchase the signs directly from our Facebook page at Lumen LS. They also have a colorful informational brochure about community cats plus lots of other resources. Support the Community Cats Podcast and LumenLS.org by going to LumenLS on Facebook today. Let's switch gears a little bit away from uh, the podcast. And talk about uh, an issue that's come up from time to time, the issue of cats and rats, uh, specifically the role that cats play in helping control rodent populations in cities. Is there any way to quantify how how effective cats can be in reducing those populations of rats that uh, frequently come with new construction in urban areas? So it does seem like there's been quite a bit of conversation about cats and rats. And there was a front page article in the Wall Street Journal uh, about a month ago talking about Chicago and their uh, rat population problem and their use of uh, feral cats, relocating feral cats to certain areas to be able to help with the um, rat population. And it's less of the cat's killing the rats as it is the cats act as a deterrent to the rats. So I guess female rats don't necessarily like being around female cats or cats in general, but for some reason there was something about female cats in in some literature that I read because they don't want to have their babies around the cats. So it's less worrisome to an adult rat as it is for having their babies. So with cats around, the female rats are going to move out. So it's an opposite vacuum effect. It's more of a push-out effect. The female rats are going to move out of the area where the cats are to a more protected and safe area for them to have their babies. And therefore, the male rats are going to follow those female rats. And so that's how the rats get dispersed out of a residential area that has a rat infestation. Now, the reason these rats become present is due to construction. So, you know, construction, they dig up an old building, an old abandoned building, and they dislodge a lot of the homes of the rats. And therefore they end up getting pushed out of what was their home territory. And then they end up going into a territory that, you know, residential area, which becomes more impactful. Obviously the neighbors don't want it, but it it does seem like there's been quite a bit of rat population pickup in urban areas within the last 10 years. When we were in Newburyport, when we had a colony in Newburyport, definitely the cats were thought to be there to help keep the rodent population down and help keep the rats down. And unfortunately, the city, after our population did basically die off, the cities had to use alternative techniques. And there is an organization called 
the Alliance for Contraception in Cats and Dogs, which is ironically doing a study on birth control for rats. And there's been a, or been an approved, I guess, bait that you can use with rats that will reduce the uh, birth rate of a female rat by 70%. And it's been approved by EPA. So that's another alternative to helping control the rat population. Some people have different opinions as to whether cats should be used as rodent control or not. I think that there's always been a history of cats in working roles, whether barn cats or go back to Egypt and they were in the pyramids. People have always looked at cats as in in that limelight. Are we at that point when we get the population under control for cats? You know, do we want them to continue to be in that role or not? I think that we'll have to wait and see what happens over the next 10 or 20 years. But at this point in time, there's still a role for working cats in most communities. And I, of course, you know, feel like the cats probably get some value out of having those jobs, whatever those jobs are. I agree. I'm sitting here looking at my cat who used to be an indoor-outdoor cat, and I've now made him an indoor-only cat. And I, I do wonder if I've uh, taken some of his stimulation in life away from him um, because cats are natural predators and there's not a lot to prey on in a house. So we do, we are dealing with a lot more boredom issues for cats in houses. I mean, many people have cats. I've had a cat, you know, that's pulled their fur out at in particular sections. And I think a lot of that has been due to boredom. You have to work hard to try and, um, you know, provide them with as much stimulation as possible. I'm not saying everybody should be letting their cats out, but I think it's just a different type of challenge that we have with our cats going forward in the future. How about um, talking about cats and the holidays and winter survival tips? This time of year in the northern climates, life becomes so much more challenging for our community cats. Tell us what your thoughts are about how to mitigate some of those challenges, both for the trappers as well as for the comfort of those cats in their managed colonies. Obviously, sheltering is really important, making sure that you have adequate and proper and enough shelters for your cats in the, uh, in the winter months is really important. Make sure that the openings to your shelters are uh, not facing into the wind if you're in a windy area. Make sure that they're in a more protected area so that the rain and the snow and ice won't blow right in to the shelter and make it all soggy and wet. There are some great hand warmers that like you use when you go skiing or even if you're just out walking and your hands are cold. You can use those hand warmers under a metal bowl to keep the water from freezing as quickly as it normally would. In the wintertime, you're going to end up feeding more dry food than you will feed wet food because the wet food will freeze pretty quickly. So oftentimes people will stop feeding the wet food. So I would definitely recommend providing adequate dry food, even if it's, you know, ideally in a self-feeder so that there's, you know, dry food available uh, as long as possible if it's in an environment where you can leave food out. If you're only feeding for a short period of time, you know, just make sure you get as much dry food out as you can, you know, into as many sort of cow mouths as possible. Water, I'd say, you know, water melting, melting, freezing, melting. Those are all hard scenarios. Be prepared to shovel uh, or ask friends to help with shoveling out feeding stations as well as the shelters 
for the trapper themselves, you know, I, I would definitely make sure you are well prepared with good boots and extra pairs of wool socks and to keep yourself warm. Um, if you are trapping during the winter time, which we oftentimes do trap throughout the winter, make sure that, you know, you're keeping yourself warm while you're out there as well as once the cat is trapped, which you should be watching the trap closely, making sure that, you know, once you bring that cat in, that it's kept in a heated space before and after surgery and um, before it is uh, released. And I would not release it on a bad weather day. I would certainly wait for a day where the weather is good and, and would release that cat. Especially if you see newcomers to your feeding stations, most shelters, their intake numbers are down in the winter months. So if you've got a new stray that looks like it does not have a home that, you know, is regularly at your feeding schedule, I would scoop those cats in and get them into an adoption center as fast as possible because they're not prepared to be living out in the cold uh, on a regular basis. So I would, if you see the same face there seven days in a row, I would uh, definitely take action with regards to that, with that cat. Other things on my mind about the holidays, because I also have a cat who loves taking down my my Christmas tree. So if you are the kind of person who has a, a desire to have uh, decorations up or Christmas tree or and, uh, you know any other types of holiday decorations, just be mindful of the fact that you do have cats in the house that like to jump on things and like to chew on things. I mean, last year, my Christmas tree, I think, made it for like three days. This year, I'm hoping that my Christmas tree will maybe be put in a part of the house where the cats won't have access to it. Just to wrap up the show, do you have any announcements for your listeners? Yeah, sure thing. On December 2nd, we are going to have our second Burning Questions conference call. We had a great turnout at our last Burning Questions call, which was in the end of October, and we actually did have some some real burning questions. There were some tough ones there, and the folks that attended the call felt that there was great value, and it was helpful, and they were able to meet others that have very uh, similar challenges. We had questions like, what do you do if there's an older person who's been feeding a colony behind their house of like 30 cats and that person has passed away and now that property has to be sold. What do you do with that managed colony of older cats? How do you resolve that issue? So that's one of the questions. Another question was, how do you recruit board members? So it's very wide ranging. It's really anything that is keeping you up at night, anything that you think about. So if you're interested in joining the December 2nd at noon, Eastern Standard Time, burning questions call, just uh, email me at stacy at communitycatspodcast.com. And with it being holiday time, if you can support the show, it would be great by going to our Zazzle store. So there is a link on our website at www.communitycatspodcast.com. And there's a store link there, which clicks into our Zazzle store. And it would be a great way to support the show if you can buy some swag um, with the Community Cats Podcast logo on it. And uh, so you can share with your friends, share the pride that you have in this show. I want to thank everybody again for supporting the show. 
what was a whim about a year ago, I don't even think last November, I was even thinking about this show. I think it was really January when I started thinking about it. It's gone like hotcakes, I guess I would say. You know, we have over 2,000 fans on our Facebook page. Um, we're getting well over 3,000 downloads a month of the show, so it is spreading the word. I'm always interested to hear from the listeners. Um, is there something that I'm missing? Is there something that I need to add? Should I change anything? So, you know, don't be shy. Please feel free to reach out to me. And I want to thank everybody for uh, listening to the Ask Stacy show today. And Lisa, thanks so much for doing the show with me. It's always fun, and I appreciate your uh, taking the time and letting me help you with this. I just uh, would encourage listeners to share the podcast with their like-minded friends and leave a review on iTunes, which really helps so much with making sure the podcast reaches as many motivated cat advocates uh, as possible, because sharing the knowledge um, is what this is really all about. So thanks a lot, Stacy. Thanks, Lisa. Sharing is caring, right? Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats.